It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Friday, October 21st, 2022. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. In its first policy decision since the municipal election, Sitka's new school board is shoring up instruction at Baranoff Elementary School to offset educational losses suffered by young students during the pandemic. During a special meeting on October 14th, the board agreed to spend $55,000 to hire an ELL paraprofessional to support English language learners. Board member Tristan Gavon backed the idea saying that the isolation of the pandemic and the loss of social contact with their peers had created equity gaps for students who were still learning English. He thought it was an appropriate use of economic relief funding provided by the federal government during the pandemic. I'm glad that we're targeting some of our CARES Act money for for those students who who have been most impacted by the pandemic um, and ensuring that those gaps don't continue to increase. In addition to the paraprofessional, the board also agreed to spend available CARES Act funds on a special education case manager at Baranoff. Mike Vieira, president of the Sitka Education Association, said the teachers' union was in support of the hire. We're very much in support of this, and we hope we continue to evaluate this, and this isn't just slapping something on it and calling it good, because we, we're highly concerned about um, the, the workload on the, on the teachers' there. The board approved the job at a cost of $90,000 in salary and benefits. In addition to approving the new hires, the school board also voted on its own officers. Board president will remain Blossom Teal Olson. Todd Gebler was named vice president. And Tristan Gavon will serve as clerk. Ketchikan's borough took an early step towards addressing the increasing number of short-term rental properties as the community faces an ongoing housing shortage. On Monday, the Ketchikan Gateway Borough Assembly took the first of two votes on a measure to require owners of vacation rental properties to register for a free permit. KRBD's Eric Stone reports. Ketchikan Planning Director Richard Harney says vacation rentals have upsides and downsides. Vacation rentals appear to have a negative impact on the affordability of homes and tourism destinations. This has been seen across the nation and talked about and and reported on multiple times. That being said, vacation rentals do serve a very, very important uh, piece of a tourism destination's economy and should not be just excluded. So before the borough considers any potential limits on short-term rentals, Harney said it's a good idea to figure out just how many are out there. We have different reports that have been run, and they show different numbers, ranging from less than 100 to over 300. This code amendment will allow us to identify how many there are. Arnie said the permit won't require a fee or have any other special requirements. Pretty simple. Name, address, property location, signature. It'll just be a paperwork, um, so that way we can make sure that they get their uh, zoning permits, and then also so we can get it over to finance so that way they can be registered for for sales tax and the transient occupancy tax. Assembly member Jamie Palmer said keeping track of the number of available Airbnbs could also make Ketchikan a more attractive destination for business conventions. I was just at the Alaska Travel Industry Association conference, and one of the reasons why they haven't been here in a long time is because they say we don't have enough beds. But I would challenge that, and I hope that Um, this ordinance moving forward would allow us to bring larger scale conferences like that down here. But Assemblymember Glenn Thompson took issue with a provision that would have required owners to re-register their properties each year. 
it's going to tell the people, A, we don't trust you, and B, you need to come and kiss the ring every year. And I don't think that sends the right message to our business community, especially when we're trying to um, increase the amount of independent travelers. Arnie said requiring annual registration would help officials keep track of how the vacation rental market changes over time. Assemblymember Jeremy Bynum, who's also running for the House District 1 seat in the November election, said the borough could keep track of filings on quarterly sales tax reports instead. The Assembly tied on a vote to remove the requirement for an annual renewal, with Thompson, Bynum, and Jamie Palmer voting in favor. Mayor Rodney Dial voted to nix the requirement, breaking the tie. The Assembly voted down another amendment from Thompson that would have allowed vacation rentals in industrial zones. Arney said that would allow residents to bypass a prohibition on housing in industrial zones. This would definitely open up a loophole. The final vote on the measure to require property owners to register short-term rental properties with the borough was 5-1, to one, with Bynum opposed. He said he was concerned the system wouldn't allow homeowners to live in properties designated as vacation rentals. Others suggested the issue could be fixed when the measure comes back for a final vote on November 7th. Another business, sales taxes on large purchases won't be going up in Ketchikan, not yet anyway. Ketchikan's Borough Assembly rejected a plan that would have raised the so-called sales tax cap from $2,000 to $12,000 at its meeting on Monday. The measure was part of a plan to stabilize the borough's ailing local education fund, which provides the local share of funding for Ketchikan's school district. After years of deficits, the account is nearing the minimum balance set in borough code. In July, the Assembly asked finance officials to bring back a plan that would bring Ketchikan's sales tax cap in line with other southeast Alaska communities. Anna Ramiski spoke to the Assembly during public comment. She said she was concerned that raising the tax cap could hurt local businesses. Here's the thing. The minute the tax gets to be equal to a barge cost, the business is gone. Jay Matani, the owner of Gold Rush Jewelry, said it would be an especially big hit to jewelry stores. He said Ketchikan's low tax cap helped drive sales. When you want to generate sales, you want to give people incentives. And our incentive in Ketchikan is the cap on our sales tax of 2000 Bynum suggested waiting until the Assembly's policy session in January to allow local officials to gather more data on the effects of the tax cap increase. This is an item that we can bring up during our policy work session. I don't feel that we have a, an urgent need to address this issue at this moment. Assemblymember Grant Echohawk said he didn't have an issue with waiting for more data, but he said sooner or later the Assembly would have to make tough choices. We've been kicking this down the road since 2018, and um, I'd like to just figure something out and get this resolved uh, one way or the other. And uh, so I'll, I'll support a postponement, uh, and I would just like to, to actually have us make a decision one way or the other rather than continue to kick it down the road for another several years. The Assembly voted unanimously to postpone the tax cap proposal indefinitely, killing the measure. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. And a quick disclosure, Jay Matani is a member of KRBD's board of directors, which is not involved in the newsroom. A group of Indigenous women were recognized for their military service during opening ceremonies at this year's Alaska Federation of Natives Convention in Anchorage. Emily Schwing has more. For more than a decade, Alaska Native veteran Benno Cleveland has led a color guard procession at the Alaska Federation of Natives Convention. But this year, he did something a little different. And if you notice that when we marched in, we had our women veterans up front. I want to thank our women veterans that came out to help us post colors today because when they talk about our Native veterans, 
Most people, they think about the men. Following the presentation of colors, five Alaska Native and American Indian women were met with a standing ovation as they exited the convention hall. Juanita Mullen is from the Seneca Nation in New York State. She just retired as the American Indian and Alaska Native Veterans Liaison for the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. For the female veterans, actually putting him first in line was the first time I've ever seen him do this. According to a 2020 report from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, only 11 percent of American Indian and Alaska Native veterans are women. Emily Downey is from Ambler. She says she was one of the first women to join the Alaska National Guard back in 1976. It was a, a big step for me because I didn't know what I was stepping into. They just started letting females in the battalion in the Navy when I joined. That's Flossie Davenport. She grew up in Nome. She served as a CB in the Navy from 1998 to 2003. She said she never thought about being a woman in service until she started to notice some of her superiors treated her differently. Still had a bunch of salty dogs around me. And they were always like, oh, let me lift that. Oh, let me do that. So, but it was, it was a great honor to be honored and recognized here today. Um, because I think a lot of times we just kind of get lost in the rotation of things. Benno Cleveland says women's military service in Alaska goes back to the Territorial Guard. We also had women helping building uh, camps, stations, bases here in uh, Alaska. So, you know, we have to hold our women in high esteem. After all, they are the birth of the nation. Cleveland says he asked all of the veterans who came to present colors at AFN if they'd be willing to honor the women. He says none of the men were opposed to supporting the women who have served alongside them. In Anchorage, I'm Emily Schwing. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. And now taking a quick look at the weather for Sitka for today, Friday, October 21st, 2022. Today, rain likely before 7 a.m., then showers likely, mainly between 7 a.m. and 10 a.m., mostly cloudy with a high near 50, west wind around 10 miles per hour, chance of precipitation is 70%, new precipitation amounts between a tenth and a quarter of an inch possible. Tonight, scattered rain showers, mainly before 1 a.m., patchy fog after 10 p.m., Otherwise, mostly cloudy with a low around 41. West wind around 10 miles per hour, becoming northwest in the evening. Chance of precipitation is 40%. You're tuned into your community radio station, Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Good morning. Mm-hmm.